Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 81 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you, as always, by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. It is sunny and perfect here in Lander today. My A2 injury is close to, I don't know, 90-ish percent. Uh, We leave for Joe's Valley on Friday, and I can feel that springtime stoke welling up and to be honest, I haven't been this excited for a climbing season since you know, shortly after I had shoulder surgery a few years ago. So I had worked really hard for a long time to reach some big goals. And after reaching those goals, I hurt myself. And that sort of started the wheels turning that, that built this thing. So my main focus and excitement for the last couple of years have really been in this business Um, coaching, training people, this podcast, fostering the growth of this pretty amazing community that, that I've been surrounded by. And with that, I'd like to say thanks to all the people who come out to fill up our workshops, who buy shirts, journals, anything else, the coaches that we share ideas with, the folks who we've Gone, who have gone through the, the pain-in-the-ass process to leave ratings and reviews on iTunes and, and especially hugely to the patrons of this podcast. You know, at first, this was just something of an advertising vehicle for our training plans. That's sort of what it became kind of quickly. And while it has to remain that to some degree, it also became my continued education. I learn so much talking to my guests and then engaging in conversation with the listeners afterward. And I couldn't do that without the patron support that I have. Um, It's grown to the point that I feel like I'm on a mission here, like not to push my own bias, but to explore all of the ideas and to help weed out where your focus needs to be, Um, to introduce you to new ideas, to remind you of old ideas that are just as valid as they've ever been. I feel like that's my mission here. And doing these interviews in person takes a massive amount of time, effort, energy, not to mention money. And I can't do that at the level that I am or the level that I want to without patron support. So thanks. Huge thanks. If you're interested in learning more, patreon.com slash podcast. I am so incredibly grateful for the community and conversation that has sprung from all of this. And speaking of community, today's guest is one of my favorite, absolute favorite people to bump into at the crag or at the boulders. Um, Many of you may know his name from his photography, but Edwin Turan is also a strong and perhaps more important thoughtful climber. Um, We've had several conversations over the years that I look back on and wish we'd recorded, and finally we did. And I I actually recorded this conversation about 18 months ago in Red River Gorge, and I've listened to it several times since, but just sort of realized that you haven't gotten to hear it yet. And the idea for this conversation was sort of twofold. Um, Edwin gets a mention in episode 9 with John Cardwell, which is still one of my favorite episodes, by the way. Uh, He was John's partner in that final trip to Biography, um, John's big long-term battle. And knowing Edwin and knowing how much thought he puts into his climbing, I knew he had some great realizations from that trip. See what I did there? Maybe don't know. This time, this time, this time. Getting the chance to climb with somebody that's stronger than you just changes your perception of what's hard drastically. Power. Power. This time, this time, this time. 
first of all, congrats on the rig today. Thank you. And and all the sending. Like you've you've been crushing this trip. It's been a good trip. Yeah. And we were yeah. just we were just talking the other day and something you said you know, I, I went back to my car and I'm driving and I'm like, shit, we should have dug into that more. And I'm like, no, I'm glad I didn't dig into that more because now I can just pull Edwin onto the podcast and we can talk about this. But you were talking about swing line a season or two ago or something, and you were working on it with someone who you felt was just a notch above you in their climbing and how important that was. So talk to me about that season on swing line again. Yeah, so... That was last fall, so about a year ago. And I wound up meeting this kid here in, in the red, Maddie Zane. Um, awesome guy and wound up having projects at the dark side and at the mother load. And at the time he was working on Swing Line and he was working on Transworld. Yep. And I was trying Darth Maul and Omaha. Cool. And it felt like you know, just watching him climb, watching the stuff that he was doing that trip. He was, um, I felt like he was a step ahead in, mm-hmm. in his climbing from where I was at. And, um, you know, the, the season came and went, um, he wound up putting a lot of work into both of those routes and, and walking away without, without finishing him as happens often in, in the sport yeah. to, to all of us. Right. Yeah. Um, so, a year goes by and I'm driving out to Kentucky from, from Colorado trying to think about what, what I'm going to try this trip. And, and those two routes were, were high up on the list. Yeah, yeah. you had kind of like, I mean, you had ticked up to there. Like that's, those were the next logical progressions, right? It was, it was time. Yeah. Um, and it, it was hard to kind of feel like I was ready for it because sure. I just had in my mind this climber that was... Um, a lot better than than me that had tried and that had walked away empty-handed so i think it took somewhere on that drive into like hour 15 or something it just took making peace with that idea of like Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just going to show up and i'm going to enjoy working on him and it's going to be totally fine if i walk away without doing him i'm i'm bound to learn something yeah no Um, doubt and i don't think that's an easy thing to do i mean and that's kind of what we're going to dig in here with um you know, it's it's really easy to be the strongest guy in your group all the time, and or just always take the back seat. You know, but it's it's tough to figure out when you need to step it up and and pass the people that you thought were stronger than you, or or meet them where they are. And 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 you're in an interesting situation in that you're a photographer. You get to shoot lots of badass climbers, and then in turn, you end up climbing with lots of badass climbers. And that's a pretty cool place to be if you're willing to keep your mind open, right? You know, it's you can definitely shut down in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I think it all depends on on your approach, and and photography's been um, this amazing way to to connect with with other climbers you know it's always been um kind of like the starting point or the introduction um for a lot of these these friendships that have developed over time um so like a good example that that comes to mind is um doing a, a project with a few other with um a couple other photographers and John Cardwell in the VRG last spring. Yeah, I was going to um, bring John up because we've had him on the you've podcast. You've had him on the podcast. We talked about you in that episode. Yeah, yeah. So it was a basically went out on that trip purely as a photographer. And it turned out John needed a belayer. Um, mm-hmm. So I wound up not shooting that much. I was actually like belaying him while other photographers were shooting him. And he encouraged me to climb, you know, it was like, oh, you should warm up too. And you should try this. And, um, I had the chance to climb with somebody that I've always looked up to as sure. a climber. I really like John's style and, yep. um, you know, I've been living in the same town for a while. So it was this really cool chance to climb with somebody like him, which turned into this amazing invitation to go to Seyus with him three months after that. Um, yeah. And kind of be there for his process on on biography, and um, it opened up like such a cool 
cool experience. It was photography that was the first kind of connection. Um, And then, yeah, because I'm a climber also, then it turns into like the relationship evolves from just climber photographer to like, oh, we can be climbing partners too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen you season to season here in the red and, and I feel like I've seen after watching you today climb on Transworld and crush the shit out of Transworld, I feel like I've watched you improve pretty dramatically from the last time I watched you climb to now. Like it just looked like a totally different climber. And not that you were a bad climber before. It just looked like you've, you know, it looked like you overwhelmed Transworld. Like it, it was no match is what it looked like. And, and I think that has to come from partially from, you know, taking this trip with John over there and, and being able to climb with these, these stronger climbers because you and I have these conversations and I know you put a lot of thought into paying attention to what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, there's, there's definitely an, an element of putting a lot of work in, into my own climbing in terms of recognizing areas that I needed to, to improve on, like recognizing weaknesses that I had and really working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting the chance to climb with somebody that's stronger <laughs> than you just changes your perception of what's hard at drastically, you know, um, with, if you're climbing just with, with people at your own ability and, and we're all having a hard time on this route, it just builds up this aura of like, this route's really hard. Yeah. Um, and it can be so refreshing to watch somebody just hike it. Yeah. It totally shatters this like notion of it being so hard or, you know, like this mm-hmm. big deal thing. You're like, that guy just hiked it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean it's going to be that easy for me, but it also means that it's not impossible. Right. It's humanly of. possible. So it's humanly possible, but it comes with, um, I think it, 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 it's healthy as long as you keep perspective and you keep your ego in check because it can be really challenging to partner up with somebody that's crushing root after root yeah totally and you're just belaying them on all these sends and then you're stuck on your project for like weeks right um it's easy to feel down about yourself or to compare yourself to somebody else um so it takes having perspective you know like exactly you're on your own journey and climbing and they're on theirs and nothing that they do has any like effect on on what you're doing at the time you know we're both on our own trips and um and if anything it's just cool to feel like somebody's building momentum and really psyched and that can be contagious so i think it really depends on how you relate to absolutely climbing somebody that's succeeding yeah i I definitely agree because like like you said you have to keep perspective you have to for me it helps to take the numbers out of the equation and just be like, what, what level is he challenging himself to? So if this person is sending everything they try first or second attempt and I'm on in project mode, then I know that they're not challenging themselves to that level. And that's okay. You don't always have to challenge yourself, you know, to your absolute limits. Sometimes those first and second go challenges are what you need. Mm -hmm. But I could also step down and do first and second go challenges, you know, if I want to. So I try to take the numbers out of it because we're all so different. Yeah. And and just look at the level of challenge. And something you said a minute ago about um, about the ego and how you also went back and worked on some of your weaknesses and, and some of those things are what are changing you as a climber as well. I think that once you understand how to control your ego and it helps to be around better climbers and take a and take a good attitude into that then it's easier to look at your weaknesses and be okay with saying okay i suck at this i need to go back and work on this were there you know did you have conversations with john or with any other climbers who you admired about their weaknesses have you ever heard them talk about those things Definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like every hike down from Seyus for the first two weeks with John, he was doing like therapy with me because yeah. I was getting my ass kicked. Um, it's not an easy place to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, the warm ups are really hard. They're these like 
polished kind of run out slab climbs. Um, and it, it takes a while to get used to the style and, and any hard route that I, that I tried, I felt like was really intimidating. So on the walk down, it was often this, these, uh, therapy sessions where John was like, it's okay, man, it happens to everybody. It's a really hard place. A lot of people don't even come back. Yeah. Um, so having that sort of support was, was amazing just like while, while I was there, but then, um, and he had gone through his own battle. Yeah. Was I still mean, in I, his battle. I, I showed up late in the game. I, yeah. you know, he'd put so much time into, into that route and, and into his project. I kind of just showed up for like the sweet spot at the end. Um, but yeah, I think spending time with, with other climbers and in a way, you know, for, so for me, I feel like I come from, um, like my background is, is just like, I started outdoor climbing. Um, and I didn't, I, I started kind of late when I was 21. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, climbing was always about, um, mentors, you know, and finding somebody that could take me outside and, and show me the ropes and, um, you know, the, the whole time like I was all I was constantly seeking out partners that were more experienced so that I could learn from them yeah and and you know there's too many people to be able to name that have been a significant part in like sure me learning more about climbing but in a way the whole experience of being able to connect with these these like high-end climbers through photography it's almost like finding the ultimate mentor in a way mm-hmm. you know um it felt a little bit like it felt pretty surreal to take a trip to Seuss with John Cardwell and and like belay him sending biography. Right. I think if you would have told me I would be doing that like even yeah. just like three, four years ago, I'd be like, <laughs> bullshit, that's not gonna happen. Um so in a way it was this opportunity to like not just watch somebody that's like um you know, doing like this craft that we're that we're into, that we're psyched on getting better, that's doing it to to such a high level, but also get to like pick their brain about it. You know, like yeah. how did you train for this? Like, what are you working yeah. on? How are you dealing with like falling at the same spot over and over again? How are you still psyched? And yeah, um, and I learned so much from from just those little conversations up to the cliff or on the way back down, and. Um, really special kind of opportunity to be able to go on on a trip like that yeah yeah i mean yeah. as a weekend warrior i haven't had a ton of opportunities to climb with um you know the big big names but i do get the opportunities because i'm involved in the community to the extent that i am and i really relish those opportunities you know that to to really watch someone's approach to their whole day and you know, just like you were saying, pick up on those little things. And what are some of the things that you picked up from John on that trip? Like, was there something in his approach to the route or his approach to rest days or anything, any little things that you saw? I think that from John, it was mostly about like perseverance. You know, how can you, um, like what does it take to really like stick it out and finish Mm -hmm. something that you started yeah and i think that the the way that he went about it the summer that i went with him was totally different than the previous summer and and that was a cool thing to watch because it helped kind of inform me in terms of what i was going to do this season so the year before i went um he had just gone there and he would hike up to the cliff he would warm up he would try biography once he would rest for a long time warm up again and then try biography again and that was pretty much every day unless it was a rest day mm-hmm. and when we were there um he kind of had a different approach he was um he was climbing a lot of different things and i think part of it was he loved say so much and he was so psyched to show me around and you know this route is amazing like i'll i'll just hang draws and you should try it yeah, or yeah um because there was rain we wound up going to another spot called the uh, saint leger which is a little bit more of an overhanging um kind of tufa sport climbing area and and he was really psyched on on-siting routes and that was some of the some of the coolest things to watch um he on-sided really hard routes um yeah and mixed it up a lot so we were you know trying one route then he'd go to biography for maybe a couple of days and then take a break and go somewhere else and um 
And it felt like it kept things really fresh. And uh, they didn't have a, a sort of like a feel of like just grinding, you know, it wasn't like show yep. up every day, try the project, go back down. It was, um, it was really fun. You yeah. know, we were doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And he um, talked about that some in, in our conversation and it just occurred to me and I hadn't really thought of this before, but you know, when I've been in that situation where I've spent time being the low man on the totem pole and then I get to go back out with this these new abilities and you know feeling like I'm a better climber and I and then all of a sudden I'm the guy showing people around and I'm the guy hanging draws and that kind of stuff it, it's it's empowering in a way and I wonder if you being there and him getting to share this love of Seus and show you around and hang draws and watch you enjoy it. I wonder if that's not a big part of his success as well, because I think that really is, you know, going from being the low man on the totem pole and climbing with better climbers where he was coming after Chris Sharma and Dave Graham and, you know, these guys that he had looked up to for so long and then getting to be the guy, you know, I think that's huge. Yeah, I agree. Um, and he was, he was just so psyched on, on, on being in France and, and, and just such a good tour guide, you know, he was psyched on like all the routes that he'd done. He was like, you have to try this. And, Mm -hmm. And if you try this route, then you're, you're set up really well to try this route. And on rest days, we got to go eat, you know, the tortons in town and you got to go do this. And there was this, um, definite stoke that was coming from just kind of taking the lead in that sense and like showing a newbie around, like I didn't know anything about, I'd never been to France before. Um, so that was really, I, I think that was a, a, a big element in kind of keeping it light and and keeping it fresh. Um, and then towards the end of that trip, I had kind of a funny experience where like my first two weeks, like I needed like therapy on the walk down from the <laughs> right, cliff because right. I was struggling, you yeah. know, wasn't doing very good. And, and after that, things started picking up and you start getting into a good groove and understanding how to move on that on that rock and um, and things really kind of came together and I started having a really good time. And when John finished biography, he he was pretty ready to go back home. Sure. And and I wasn't. I was I was like you know I went from like wanting to go home on week one to like oh, I just I want to stay here a little bit longer. Yeah. And funny thing wound up happening where. Um, somebody who you work with, Colette, yep. uh, wound up getting in touch with John, trying to look for a partner for Saves. Mm. And I was like, well, I need a partner, you know, like tell Colette we'll link up, you know, yep. like yep. Let, let's climb together. So after John left, um, I wound up climbing with her. And I feel like I, I learned a lot from from climbing with, with Colette for the, last, for the last leg of that trip. And I yeah. think that what what I kind of, um, what I saw her do that trip really helped me this season at big time. How and, so? Um, so when Colette got there, she had, she didn't have too much time and she had a goal to do, um, an eight B route, a 13 D. Yep. Um, I forget what it was called, but, a pretty bouldery, pretty tough route mm-hmm. at, at the Demi Loon Wall. Yep, I remember this. Um, so she just got there and and she went to work. Um, and she was such a good sport because I had a project on the Berlin Wall, so we were walking like a good two miles off the top of the cliff every day <laughs> after the hike back and forth. Um, but she got on the route on her on her first day, and and she really couldn't do the bottom boulder problem on it, like. She really couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, she didn't sweat it. She kind of pulled through it and went went to work on the rest of the route, pieced them some stuff together. There was another really hard bowler on the top, and she worked it out. She had a few different options. And I remember being on the ground belaying, thinking to myself, like, Colette's a great climber, but 
but there's no way she's going to do this route. Right, right. Especially with the time that she has. And I think it's part of the baggage that we have as, as Red River Gorge climbers. Yeah. Like, if you don't do all the moves on a route, your first go in the red, like you're not yeah. looking too good, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. straight up endurance. So we're used to like, you really should do all the moves. And um, I, I think it's something that I've had to work pretty hard to to overcome when I go to other areas. Oh yeah, same here. Um, it's really difficult. Yep. So, um, you know, Colette came down and, and I was kind of expecting her to be like, all right, well, we're going to pick a different one, you know, shop around a little bit. And and she was psyched. She was like, yeah, it was good. Good first date. And I was like, cool. She's psyched. <laughs> so went back home, you know, next day showed up. And, um, you know, I don't remember the exact days, but second day she still like, she tried that lower boulder problem and tried figuring some stuff out, but it still didn't go. Right. Um, and she chipped away at the top and then, you know, it, it kept going that way. Um, until the day before the end of her trip like she almost sent the route like right she if she would have had like another day on the trip i'm convinced she would have done it mm-hmm. and um and i'd never really seen somebody do that you know Stick I, through when they haven't even done all the moves yet. my approach was like if i try a route and i can't do all the moves on my first day i'm gonna walk away and i'm gonna pick a different route yeah um and I remember talking to her while we were there and just, you know, seeing not only how she was working through it, but how it didn't really affect her psyche and right. and her, you know, she would come down from the route and like, yeah, the, the lower boulder problem still hadn't gone. And, and she was psyched. Like, it was a good day. Yep. She did bigger lengths at the top, like always positive, like happy at the end of the day. And, um, fast forward a few months and, and I show up here in Kentucky and I start trying Transworld mm-hmm. and and I can't do the lower crux. Right. And Yeah, it was just a few days ago you were telling me I that do, you can't I, do that move. I couldn't do the move. Yeah. And I'm trying it with friends that have that I've climbed with for a while, like my peers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so guys that that I we've worked on routes together before, like we're 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 kind of about the same you know, same level in our climbing, everybody's hiking that lower part and they're falling at the top. Yep. And I show up day one and I can't do the move and show up day two, still can't do the move. Um, I couldn't do the move for the first five days on the route. And there's no way I would have actually stuck it out had I not had that experience of Belaine Colette on her project and yeah. saves. There's no way I would have like, I think I would have written it off at day one, maybe day two. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and knowing, knowing Colette's background and her history, you know, she learned that from climbing with better climbers and, you know, going from that apprentice to, to the teacher, you know, like you put it today when we were talking at the crag, that's, that's kind of what happens. That's when you are able, when you feel like you've started to master something, when you're able to become the teacher. And, and I think that's what happens there, you know? Yeah. And, and people are going to see you do that on Transworld and make that same connection in their climbing and, and eventually, you know, make that connection for someone else. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really valuable to see kind of what it takes some people to to finish a route. You know, for the yeah. most part, we just, we hear about the send and how easy it felt at the end and, you know, how much work somebody put into it. But totally. we don't really get to see the work, you yep. know, and it's not pretty. Like, Yeah, the process can be a grind. Like, you know, I climb, I climb a fair amount with, a good friend of mine, BJ Tilden in, in wild and wild iris in Wyoming and watching him this summer chip away at this 14 D thing he was working on was, it was, it was incredible to watch the level of detail that he paid attention to. Like, you know, every day he knew the humidity, he knew the temperature, he, you know, he would get there and he'd be looking for the wind and, you know, down to these little micro details. 
And those are things I take for granted a lot of times because, you know, at the red, it's just always humid. So yeah, we just assume it's going to be humid. You know, if there's a dry day, like everybody's cheering and everybody sends, you yeah. know, like this weekend or the past few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody sent. Everybody sent. But, uh, but watching that level of attention to detail, I think is huge because if I, I feel like after watching that, if I can do 14A while not paying attention to the details and not watching my diet all that much, you know, then if I were to dial in like BJ does when he's working on a project, then maybe I could climb even harder, you know? So I think we all could. Exactly. Like we all could. If if we put the same amount of work that that some of these these top level climbers yep. are, are are putting in then uh, yeah i think our our red point limits would would go up yeah and we sure. can't all we can't all do that you know we don't all have that kind of time or you know uh, energy to put into climbing a lot of us have other lives and other things going on but but i think there are key things we can take away mm-hmm. you know and and i think what what you just illustrated is one of those things that you can just because you can't do all the moves first try doesn't mean you should just give up on it. it as long as you're inspired by it, yeah. you know, as long as you're super psyched. Um, how about this? How about let's take a quick break and let's think of a few things that actionable things that we've learned from stronger climbers that we can pass down. Yeah. And you know what one thing I thought about when you when you were just talking about details the the funny switch that kind of happened this season showing up to to climb with my my usual friends and yeah. and and my my usual partners you know the people that I've been climbing with for years here um is that when you're climbing with somebody that's so much stronger than you and they're getting on on a route that you're working on, like a project that's hard for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be very helpful in terms of like beta. For sure. And movement <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. You know, usually you'll just hear, yeah, you grab that hole and you pull down and yep. you go to the next one, right? Yeah. And the cool thing about climbing with people that are your peers on the sa- on a similar project is that that's when you can really start talking about the details. You know, it's like you can grab that hold with yeah. like the thumb on the little Go triangle the little and, beta. Yep. and twist your foot in this. You're not going to get that from a 515 climber that's trying your project because right. they're just going to, it's going to feel pretty easy for them. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's at all levels. You know, I get it from BJ. Like he's like, he's like, oh, just do it like this. Like this holds good. Do it, do it this way. And I'm like, that hold fucking sucks. I can't possibly do it that way you know? yeah i need help <clears throat> or he'll be in the middle of the crux of the thing i'm trying and he's like well you can do it like this or you can do it like this or like this or like this and i'm like no i can't yeah <laughs> i need to find the way that works or when i'm climbing with annalisa i'm like just grab that jug and she's like it's a jug in your world not in mine <laughs> not in my world <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. yeah so it, you know that's for all levels it's all relative yeah like exactly so i think it it if anything, the going back and forth seems like the healthiest approach, you know, yeah. really um, trying to team up with partners that are stronger than you, I yep. think has has its benefits and can really help kind of show you what's what's ahead, how um, how things can can feel. It can inform you a lot about rhythm you know, so a lot, a big thing that I hear here in, I guess in the States in general or or in the red, you know, somebody falls and you're, you hear like, I, you know, I just like, where's my power? I need, I need to go bouldering. Like I don't have power or I need to go hangboarding. Like my fingers are so weak. I hear that all the time. I need to, I need to get power or go hangboarding. Right. And, um, and it was really different in France a lot of times, just the way that that climbers would talk about stuff, you know, like, how's the route going? Like, you know, I'm not 
not finding a good rhythm on the route. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't found the pace or the rhythm, or、um, it, it went beyond physical strength or、right. how strong your fingers were. Right. And and to me, that's really that's really important because I think that climbing.、Um, You know, can be measured by finger strength, but there's also so much more to it. So much more. And I think that finding a a good rhythm for your movement on a certain route and and a pace between rests and um, you know, that's kind of when you 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 tap into that more、uh, flowy kind of、yep. choreographed <clears throat> aspect of projecting that can feel really fun when you find that that flow. It feels、yep. amazing. Totally. And um. And I think that's really helpful. You watch a, a a really good climber move, and there's there's a certain flow and rhythm to the their、yeah. their step, and everything is really deliberate.、Mm-hmm. And I think that when you get on harder routes,、um, it has to be that way. Like you might have one spot where you can chalk up your right hand, like that's it. Right.、Um, and I think watching that, and then kind of trying to apply that to what you're working on, and Being deliberate about your movements and and trying to find that good rhythm that works for you、um, is really important. You、It's、know, huge, more important、yeah. than hangboarding after you fall off of.、Um, I agree.、Completely. You know, a certain section. The, yep. The,、um, so I think that's that for me was was eye opening. You know, to hear people talk about climbing in in this new way that I hadn't heard before. Yeah, that's really cool.、Um, Nate is big on. That sort of conversation, and I've definitely converted into that. And I've always climbed that way. I just didn't. I never put it into words. And and this season, I've really been focused on like finding that rhythm and that flow in the style of routes that are the hardest for me. You know, I can I can do that stuff on endurance climbs, like the red is famous for.、Mm-hmm. It's the stuff like you know, Golden Touch and Falls City, and these these short little bouldery things with heinous holds that I my rhythm gets blocked. You know, I hit these sections where I get nervous or or whatever it is, just throws off my my normal flow. You just tempted to camp out somewhere and just yeah, exactly, forever. Exactly. You're like, no, dude, it's not yeah, gonna work here. It doesn't work. <laughs> So, so that's what I've focused my whole season on to this point. Instead of climbing hard numbers, I'm climbing things that feel hard for me, but are at lower numbers.、Mm-hmm. You know, and it's I feel like it's been really good. And I'm I'm after a few sins of those things and making them feel like like oh I just I just crushed that like that felt amazing. You know, yeah, it's not my style at all. I. I normally look like total shit on it, but but something clicked there. Whenever I get to the、uh, to the top of a few of those, like I have at this point, I'm starting to feel like I could get on harder climbs and do really well. Yeah, you know, and that's a pretty cool feeling. And it's not because I've been hangboarding. It's not because I've been deadlifting. It's because I've focused a ton on that sort of flow and that sort of rhythm. To my climbing in an area where I was really deficient, yeah. So yeah, I think that's super, super important. It's really helpful. And I was mentioning the other day, you know, sometimes the the best seasons that I've ever had, the, the best seasons that I've ever had, have maybe looked the worst on paper. Yeah.、Um, <clears throat> so I think you know. By far, the the most significant jump that I took in in my climbing happened before last fall. So, like before last year, yeah.、Um, when I just decided to stop sport climbing and and go bouldering, go bouldering. for the full summer, yep.、Um, and I didn't send anything.、Mm-hmm. I tried so many boulders in, in Colorado, <laughs> yeah. And、uh, you know, and 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 it、uh, on on paper it looks like I didn't even rock climb. Right, like it looks like I took the summer off. Yeah, your A day、um, fucking dipped all the way to the bottom. That exactly,、season. you're like, dude, you're not doing anything.、Um, like, where's Edwin? Was, Did he quit? It, but it was the best. You know, I I learned so, and that was exactly what I needed at that point. I needed、yeah. to address like weaknesses in terms of power and finger strength,、um, and and I had a blast. 
I, I just total beginner's mentality, yeah. embracing this this discipline that I didn't have much experience on, and um, and getting my ass kicked, but loving it yeah. and seeing this progress. You know, when you're starting early on something, progress comes quick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's when you've been doing something for years that it's so hard to make even like the smallest gains. Yep. Um, and you have to keep doing that. Yeah. You have to keep going back and revisiting those weaknesses, you know, and that's tough to do, frankly, if you're always the, you know, the leader of the pack and you're the guy that everyone looks to to hang their draws or to, you know, give them the beta or whatever to go out there and address your weaknesses and fail for a whole season. That's tough to do unless you can drop that ego. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, the only measurable aspect that we have in climbing is grades. Right. Um, as arbitrary as they are, it's kind of the only standard that we have. And I think sometimes we we lean too heavily on that to feel a sense of pro- progression or satisfaction. And I think that I I try to think about it as like, you know, climbing is, is more than that. It's, it's this craft that I've really enjoyed practicing. Um, and I've really enjoyed trying to get better at it. Um, and that's a great word for it, by the way, it's a craft. It is a craft. I appreciate that you call Um, it that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's something that, I mean, I put so much energy into, I, design most of like my life around it um because Mm i i love it Um, yeah even your current celibacy my current celibacy (laughs) red river gorge (laughs) it's a lot of sacrifices that are made um but you know it's some if you think about it as a craft it stops being um so um grade based and it starts being more about um this this thing that you have a love affair with that you're just trying yeah. to get better at because you really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's less measurable scares a lot of people, frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I deal with clients all the time who are asking for units of measurement. Like, how, how, do you, how are you measuring my progress? How have, I prog- how have I progressed, you know? And that's tough to say because I feel about it the same way you do. Yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes it's more about... It's a hard thing to get to, and it, you know, it, it took me years to even like think about it that way, and mm-hmm. more years to act on it, even after I felt like I knew about it intuitively. But, um, you know, when you're when you're thinking about it as a craft, you're just um, excited to get better at it, and a mm-hmm. lot of times, getting better at it means doing the parts of it that you're bad at. You know, if um, yeah. If you were working with sculpture, if you were working with with some other type of craft of knitting, you know, and you encounter something that like Did there's you just a flaw go to knitting because I'm old. I'm just curious here. <laughs> I, well, it can be anything. It doesn't even have to be physical, right? Um, but if if you're if you're producing something that's tangible and you see a flaw in your work, your immediate reaction is like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to work on that. Clearly, like my corners suck, totally. or like you know, like my yep. edges, or you're yep. like, I need to get better at that. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy in climbing. You're like, oh, I suck at slab climbing, but I'm really good at like steep endurance climbing. Yeah. I'm just so going to go even look at slabs every. Year. Yeah, I hate slabs. I'm not going to climb yeah. slabs. I'm going to go like. <laughs> <laughs> pluck the low-hanging fruit and all the caves yeah. that we have around here totally um you know but but that limits you and and it, it only um you know why um yeah why choose to focus on only one aspect of this craft when it's so varied and um and different you can i mean climbing is amazing how how many different disciplines and styles we have yeah. available to play around <clears throat> with um, yeah, and you know, one of the most fun things for me in my climbing that I've ever experienced was when I, you know, I was a tratty starting out. I quit climbing for a while because I thought sport climbing was incredibly stupid and I didn't want to sport climb. And then I remembered I lived in the red and I should probably start trying to sport climb. So when I came back to climbing, I sucked and I had no endurance whatsoever. So endurance was my weakness. Like at the time I could off the couch boulder, you know, V6 ish, um, having not climbed in years because I just understood it. Uh, 
but I had no endurance. You know, the 40 foot gym routes were destroying me, the tens. Yeah. You know? So I worked and worked and worked my ass off at endurance climbing and it became my bread and butter. You know, it became my strength. And, and now I'm trying to flip that again. I'm trying to go back to, now I understand endurance climbing. I want to go back to learning to understand a higher level of hard moves. You know, and that, that was super fun for me to take that weakness and turn it into my strength. You know, what people recognized me as. And now I'm trying to do that again. So yeah, it's been it's really satisfying. Yeah, because um, after a while, you really recognize that you're just kind of plucking low hanging fruit. Yeah, and absolutely. Starts, the satisfaction just diminishes with yep. every route that you do in that style. You just you can even predict the number of attempts it's going to take you to do something in yeah. your style, and it yep. it loses its magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something really cool about the uncertainty of whether or not you're going to do something or whether it's even possible for you and venturing out into new styles is one of the best ways to, I I mean, I cure any plateau, I think, you know, like break out of, of, of what you're used to and do something different. It'll, it'll do you good no matter what. Yeah. When you were bouldering, were you climbing with strong boulders or were you just going out there and throwing yourself at boulders? You know, I came at it in a, in an interesting way. So um, even though I'd lived in Colorado for a while, I hadn't really gone up and, and bouldered in, in the park because I usually work in the in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so go back to Colorado. Um, I teach. Beer down. Beer down. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I teach at, at this um, awesome place in Boulder. Um, I've been working there for like six years this summer was the first time i didn't i didn't work there but we do environmental education for kids um oh really cool i didn't know that yeah it's really cool so i I did that right after i i graduated college in in colorado um did an internship with them during my last semester and then just found that this was ideal seasonal work um yeah it was great to make money in the summer and take a trip that's why i started coming out here in the fall it just lined up perfectly gotcha um and I really lo- love the work, but it didn't give me that much time uh, to go rock climbing. So it wasn't until a couple, well, like last year that I changed my schedule a little bit and managed to go out and um, wound up climbing with a friend of mine um, who had grown up in, in Boulder and, and climbed a lot around there. And he kind of had taken a long break from climbing and had just started getting back into it. So we both kind of were were pretty new at, at bouldering <clears throat> and, and new at going up into like these alpine areas and just kind yeah. of psyched on. And on the park's kind out. of a bitch if you come from the red. Like Yeah. The yeah. climbing style is really hard there. It's really hard. Holds. Um <laughs> and and it, it it totally changed my my approach you know i didn't i didn't like hiking before i started bouldering up there i hated hiking i hated approaches that's so funny um, because so many boulders are like or so many people think boulders just don't don't do approaches they don't carry anything yeah yeah i mean if you're lazy yeah, if you're climbing in in colorado you're it's definitely not doing like approaches <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, it was actually really funny like i i knew i wanted to get into bouldering outside i i haven't really climbed much in a gym um i enjoy climbing outside and um and i kind of felt like i started understanding what i needed to do to break through some of my plateaus and and where i was stuck at at the time and it through other people's suggestions i was climbing a little bit with uh, nick duddle at the time i remember um he made a remark one day we were climbing in the red. He said something like, I can't believe like you've done whatever, whatever route with like the power that you have. It's like laughable, you know, like your endurance carried you so far. Yeah. Um, I was in that same boat and, uh, it really stuck with me. And I, I it's like, well, if, if, if there's a way to get better and and you seem to, to be hinting at this and you have more experience than I do, I'm going to go try it. Mm -hmm. Um, so started doing the hike to Upper Chaos and 
chipping away like the easy things which there isn't too much it right. just quickly started flailing Even the easy things are hard up there Even the easy things are hard so you're you're climbing above 10,000 feet the the hike is really long i remember at the beginning it was taking me about an hour and a half to go from the parking lot to to the boulders and upper yeah um and then little by little just got really excited about being up in the mountains and being in the bad weather and um getting hit with the crazy storms was amazing just hiding under a cave and like feeling that power yeah. the lightning and the wind and it felt so raw and so different than a day at the crag sport climbing felt that yeah and i needed it at the time i needed something something different and something new and i mean i just got hooked and i started going up there like every other day um and started running up to upper chaos so cut the hike down from like an hour and a half at the beginning to going from parking lot to the top in like 40 minutes and without knowing it building this really good kind of cardiovascular base um, yeah. but it was just out of pure excitement like i just couldn't wait to get up to the boulder so yeah. i was running yeah and, and i wasn't stashing pads i was carrying my pad up there i was carrying a water filter so i didn't have to carry too much water and just filter my water up there but mm -hmm. um, it just became the grind that whole summer it was like day up in the park then rest day at in town and then next day up in the park and i remember having a conversation with um with my buddy Kalen, who we we were climbing up there together with before I was thinking of driving out here. And I was like, Kalen, I I feel kind of silly about this trip to the red this fall. I don't really think I should go. And he was like, why, why would you not go? And I was like, well, because we've been bouldering for the past two and a half months. I haven't been on a rope in ages. <laughs> like, it's going to be a disaster of a season. Yeah. Um, and he was like, no, man, you're being really silly. I think this is going to be a really good season for you. Um, and I had goals that I, you know, routes that I wanted to complete here. And I felt super intimidated by it. And I was like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go. Yeah. And it took quite a bit of pushing on his part to be like, dude, I think you really should go. Like, you might be surprised. And, and come to find out, like, it was the best thing for my sport climbing to to take a break yeah um and it totally shifted my my ideas about how to prepare for this sort of trip and you know i went from my training for the red like in my early trips was going to the spot and doing like 30 minute laps on the treadmill right. on yep. jugs yeah <laughs> and, yeah and that's what i thought you should do because i sure. was going to climb endurance routes and so might as well just do endurance and yep. um and then things totally flip flop, you know, and it was like, all right, like power is what I need because it's, it's a weakness. I, I don't really, it doesn't come naturally to me, whereas endurance does. And um, it, so that, that summer was a, a pretty big, big deal for me. Um, yeah, that's cool. And, and I sent nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's big. And, and I think it's interesting to note that. You know, and I hadn't really thought of this this way. I was kind of looking at it as, you know, the differences between climbing with uh, the much better climber and you being the low guy on the totem pole, switching to you being the strongest guy in the group. But I hadn't really looked at climbing with people who are right at your level. You know, and I think that's big. And I I haven't spent much time doing that, and maybe that's why... I didn't go right there and, and think about that aspect of it as well. But I think that's really important because you might not have gotten that same advice to go to the red. You think it's going to be, he thinks it's going to be a good season for you mm -hmm. from someone. If you were the much stronger climber, yeah. you know, you may not have gotten that same advice. Yeah. And if you were, you know, the supporting team for a much stronger climber, they might have said selfishly, yeah, you should just stay here because... I need someone know, to climb need, with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's yeah. that's a that's a really great point I hadn't yeah. really thought about. And I think one of them... So you need to mix it up. Like You need to mix it up. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, that, that I feel like is... is the... Um, maybe the the one 
piece of advice that I find I'm, I'm giving the people that I'm climbing with now that are not used to projecting. I'm going, like I've been yeah. climbing a lot with, um, with some friends here that, that haven't really projected much before and they're starting to get into it. And I feel like one of the, the, the big lessons that I learned from climbing with people that are a lot stronger is their strategy for for projecting yeah you know there's so much to to talk about in 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 terms of strategy and i think the the biggest thing the biggest change for me was feeling like if i got on a route for my first time and it was going to be a hard route for me i was pretty concerned with just getting to the anchors especially mm. if there was people around yeah, yeah, and if, yeah. if i felt like i was being watched like i needed to summit yeah and i really didn't work the moves very much because i was concerned about how i was being perceived by the other people at the crag right um and not as confident in in my climbing and then just seeing how some of these like really good climbers work on on routes you know you go your first go and you dial in sections and you try a couple different ways and then you repeat the crux a few different times yep. and you do so much work your first try that you're pretty ready to do it your second try i yep. i think that you know in the past it probably took me four or five goes just to figure out what i wanted to do on my red yep. point attempt um and that's something that I feel like I'm I'm constantly like telling the 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 folks that I'm climbing with, you know, like go up there, work stuff out. Like don't worry about staying up on the wall for a while. Like make the best use of every go. Um, yep. And really hard routes may not, you know, they may not be ready for red point attempts for days into the effort, you know, yeah. or longer depending on how difficult it is. You yeah. Know, they may. You, I, I've seen people not summit their project for the first several weeks they worked on it. Yeah. You know, because they're like, why do I need to go to the top? You know, I need to dial in all this hard stuff in the beginning first before I even worry about what's up there. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, it's a, it's a long process for, for a big project. Yeah. And strategy can it's expedite huge. that process yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. They can it can make the difference in in weeks of how long it'll yeah, take you. Years for yeah, years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> years. Totally. Yeah, that's really cool. So I, I tried to take a break earlier, and and you had some great ideas. So I just kept talking. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is perfect. But I do want to kind of get a little list together of things, actionable things that people can learn from climbing with better climbers so let's take a quick break you can finish that beer you've been nursing sounds good and we'll come up with a short little list cool all right and by quick break i mean the rest of the day uh we will be back tomorrow with a special board meeting with edwin as guest host and we'll be talking about the top three things you can learn from better climbers uh, in the meantime, I do want to say this. Don't let yourself become the big fish in a little pond. Not without searching for bigger fish in other ponds. I've made that mistake, and you will stagnate every single time. Okay, I don't want to say too much here. I will say this. You can find Edwin's photography online at edwinturan.com. And you can and should follow him on instagram at at edwin Turan. you can find us very very soon at climb so ill the week of april 2nd you can find us at sport rock in virginia the week of april 10th and you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash power company podcast or check out our training options at powercompanyclimbing.com you can also follow us on all the social medias at Power Company Climbing. Um, not all. That's not true. No Snapchats. No Twitters. Because, like my dude Nolly Simon says, We don't tweet, we scream like eagles. This time, this time, this time.